Today's sermon, we're going to focus on one specific thing, one topic today. And we're going to focus on this single idea of purity. Now, everyone in this room, everyone here today is in ministry. Whether it be um, you're in ministry in some way, maybe you're a teacher of the Bible here at Sunset, maybe you are a preacher preparing to go to a congregation, or maybe you're preparing to enter the mission field. Whatever reason you're here, we're all here because we have ministry on our forefront. We want to work in ministry in some factor. Because of that, I hope that this term purity is not something new to you. And hopefully it's something you, you've heard of and you understand a little bit and it's something you're already working towards in your life. But that, that being said, even though you've heard of it before and you're familiar with it, what exactly is purity? What exactly is that to us as workers for God's kingdom? And how should we live this pure life and show purity as a, in our roles in ministry as a minister or a missionary? I challenge you brothers today as you, you hear what I'm going to go through in, in the text and the scripture to challenge yourself and take the challenge of the lesson that is evaluate your own life in purity and make a plan to minister through the lens of purity to those around you. I'm going to start in Scripture today in Psalm 51. So if you want to flip over there, that's where I'm going to start in Scripture. Psalm 51 is a psalm of David. But it does bring us to this idea of purity. Where David's at right now is after he has committed adultery with Bathsheba, he's struggling with that sin. He's had a lack of purity in this specific situation. And he has a desire to have a pure heart again. We can see through the text in Psalm 51, the latter half, um, that he here he struggles with that lack of purity, but we also see how he longs for the power that God can give him through purity. If you would, if you flip there, Psalm 51, I'm going to be reading verses 6 through 14. If you like, read along with me. Psalm of David. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in, in the secret heart. Purge me with the hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, and let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold with me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver from me blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. I love Psalm 51. I come back to it a lot of times, but I just love the, the deep longing David has here to be restored to a pure life of joy with God. And the reason that he wants to be restored is that he may lead other transgressors in the ways of God, lead other sinners out of that dark place. So I hope this is true for you, but I want to live my life in an evangelistic way. And I have a feeling most of us here in this room also do. And I pray that we all share this desire 
This desire that David is longing for here in Psalm 51. I want to get out in the world. I want to do something. But as I study purity, I realize that in order to get out into the world and effectively evangelize, I need to practice purity in my own life. Us as Christian leaders, we need to purify ourselves. If we don't do that, we're not going to be effective for God. If we're stuck in our own sin, we're useless to the kingdom of God. If we have a mission to reach people, it starts with purity. So today I'm going to outline the three P's of purity. And if we have a mission to reach people, we must start with a philosophy of purity. Two common people think of purity in one way. Purity, and this is how we teach it to our teens sometimes as well. Purity is drawing a line in the sand that you can't cross. We see this in many ways in Christian culture. Purity is usually abstaining from sex and dating. That's where we make the purity line. Now, can this be a good example of a pure person, somebody that's living a pure life? Sure. But this alone is missing this idea of a philosophy of purity. So what should a philosophy of Christian purity look like? If you would, I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. If you'd like to flip there, you can. If not, just listen along. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You've probably been in Hebrews 12 and, and looked at this idea of running the race before. But think about that. Before we run the race of endurance, we must throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that can so easily entangle us. I love the terminology here that's of a race we are to run, because I think everybody can understand what running looks like, what it takes to be a runner, even if we don't enjoy it or we've never been there. We all can understand it. I'm from Montana, and Eric's from Wyoming, so he can probably relate to this. But I can tell you in the wintertime, after you've put on your snow boots and your snow pants and your three coats, and I'm, I'm from a motorsports family, so when we're snowmobiling, we have our helmets and all of that gear on. And you try to run through 12 inches of snow, you're not running at all. You just look like an animated cartoon character just kind of moving in place. It's really difficult when you have all of that gear, all of those hindrances on your body to run. So taking that idea, if we have all of those hindrances, we're not effective to run physically. The same is true spiritually, with the hindrances being our sin and the race of endurance being towards God. So we need to rid those hindrances. Get rid of that sin that entangles us. Sin is not just something that is on us that affects us. 
For us in this room especially, it affects us in the way that we minister and we're ministering to so many people. It hinders us in our mission as Christians. Being pure for your own sake may work to some extent. If you want to pick one thing and say, I'm going to better myself, draw that line and cross it like I mentioned before. That may be effective for a moment. But if you miss the philosophy of purity that is here that I've just outlined, it's that we need to be strong and effective as Christians to reach others. That's the point. So if you understand this philosophy, that it's not just drawing a line and not crossing it, but it's living a life where you cast off all of your hindrances, we need to know why we should do that. Why should we take off these burdens of sin as leaders? And that takes us to our second P, the purpose of purity. Let me put this straight out for you. It is impossible to love God when you are in sin. I think sometimes we think we can, and I even think at times we want to, especially when we're intrigued by the sin. But straightforward, guys, God hates sin. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19 is a listing of things that God is against. Let me read it for you here. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among his brothers. Now you may have been in Proverbs chapter 6 before and read through this and just noticed these are things, maybe a list of sins that God hates. But take a step back and think, this is a list of things that God absolutely despises. God hates these things. I think a lot of times we can look at the same uh, genre and the same ideas and be like, oh, they're okay. Maybe we look at lying, for example. And as humans, we don't really like lying. We think it's kind of wrong. Maybe we feel a little bad about it when we do it. But God hates it. He despises it. So again, I ask, how can we expect ourselves to live for God while we are fully living in his sin? We can't. We can't. I think of this. There's many people in my life that I love dearly. And I can go up to them and I can say, standing right next to them, I love you. And that can mean so much to them if I look them in the eyes and say, I love you. But if I come up to him and I look him in the eyes and I slap him in the face and I say, I love you, and I slap him in the face again, they're going to be very confused because I keep saying, I love you, slap, I love you, slap. Because the action that I'm doing 
is not conveying the thing that I am proclaiming to them. I proclaim between each and every harmful slap that I love them, but with my action, I tell them the complete opposite. If we love God, we can't keep doing the thing he hates. If I stand in front of God and declare to him, I love you, I cannot keep slapping him in the face. John 14, 15. I hope you know this one by heart. But if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So the purpose of purity is that we not be living in sin because we love God. Firstly, we looked at the philosophy that we're running a race and we want no hindrance, especially if our race is leading others. So, we know the philosophy, we know the, pra- or the purpose. So how do we practice purity? One of the best pieces of scripture that just keeps coming across to me on the practice of Christian living starts with a direction and purity. And it's from the inspired words of Paul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. Let me go ahead and flip there and let's read that together. 1 Thessalonians 4, again, I'm going to be verses 1 through 14. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, and that you do so even more. For you know that the instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ, for the will of God, for your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and in honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgresses and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger of all of these things. And we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed it is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more, and aspire to live quietly, and to mind to your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. 1 Thessalonians, the first half written by Paul, definitely focuses on this idea of purity. He lists a few things that we are to abstain from to practice purity. But much of this does not come just from the act of abstaining from these desires. God has given us the power to be strong through these and to control our sin, to stop it. If you remember my analogy, God has given us the willpower to stop slapping the person in the face, to stop slapping him in the face while we say I love him. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. 
states, No temptation has overtaken you except for what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can hear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. If God gives you the temptation and you're standing face to face with him, he has given you the opportunity to choose not to slap him. He's given you an out for you to serve him. So if God hates sin, what is the opposite of sin? This is where we come back to the idea of purity. Purity is not just not sinning. It's a lifestyle that we must live to serve God with our lives. It's decision we have made. We are free to make it on our own to live in purity. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. We have freedom in our own ways. We are free. But the purpose of that freedom is not that we should take it and just indulge in our own flesh. But we have this freedom so that we take it and we embrace purity and we love people. Purity is a lifestyle that is devoted to putting yourself aside, putting, desire, uh, putting aside desire, putting aside sin, and instead living for Christ and loving people. That's what purity is all about. It's all about living for Christ and loving people. So brothers here in this room today, when it comes to purity, we as leaders in the church, we need to make this a priority in leading a life that is pure. Because we lead others. So leading a pure life in my simple breakdown is these three things. It's taking the philosophy of purity that we cannot let anything hold us down or hinder us in this race. Taking the purpose of purity that it is for God because he hates sin, so we do not do what he hates. And practicing it. Practicing purity by abstaining from these desires to live a life for God and love others. And he will give us the strength to do that. So today, brothers, as leaders in the church, as future ministers, missionaries, whatever you may be walking into, I give you this one urge. I challenge you to examine purity in your own life. How is it practiced in your life? How can you improve in this? Do you always put sin aside and love others like Jesus did? Lead a hindrance-free life to lead others towards the race that is a pure life as well. I challenge you, examine your life and lead a pure life.